Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey, Mario Lopez here, and I really hope you can check out my new podcast, Listen to Mario LTM. Going to be having some really cool, casual, in-depth conversations with a lot of amazing and fascinating people. Some of your favorite celebrities, everyday heroes, newsmakers, even some of my friends and a few of my family members. Definitely a side of me that you've never seen before. So please listen and follow on the iHeartRadio app or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Get your podcasts. Now, News Radio 700 WLW presents Sunday Morning Sports Talk with your host, Ken Brew, on News Radio 700 WLW. Well, here we go. It's the day after the most hyped event in all of sports, even more than the World Series, even more than the Super Bowl, even more than any UFC or WrestleMania event. It is the day after the NFL draft has concluded. Are you okay? Did you make it through okay? Did you recognize at least a half of the name? Half of the names that the Bengals drafted. I thought one of the most comical sights watching this draft coverage down in Nashville and look, l- listen, people love their teams and they root for their teams and fans want affirmation. They don't want information. But when this draft got to like the fifth round and they're parading these, these, these players, former players or fans to, to, to announce draft picks, here are the fans down there in the streets of Nashville going crazy for their team, selecting a guy they couldn't pick out of a lineup. It just... We got him from, from uh, Tarlin State. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, geez, just tell me a couple things about him. How many eyes does he have? Can the guy walk and chew gum? They, nobody knew. They were just, they're down there, I guess, for the good time. And that's what the NFL is all about. And the NFL is, is the absolute king of all media. Absolute king of all media. Because they drive the narrative on all platforms of media 365 days of the year. They are textbook. They are absolutely textbook, but let's get let's get to the uh, let's get to the local end of this thing. Let's get to the center of what we wonder about, and that's your Cincinnati Bengals. The off season is over. This is it. It it's done. They may pick up a stray free agent along the way. They'll hold. They may sign a bunch of college free agents that didn't get drafted, and they may do some things with players that are cut by other teams as the course of the summer goes on. All of that, all of that is is basically just kind of like filling out the roster and kind of like just uh, taking taking a, a guy on the come. But it's over. Most of it is over now in the offseason. Here's what the Bengals have done in the offseason. They fired their head coach, guy that had been here a really long time, had more success than any other coach that they had in franchise history, but that's because he was here for a really long time. A lot of that coaching staff was adiosed as well. They, they went into free agency, began with Bobby Hart, signed John Miller, 
who looks like a steady, really good addition for that right guard spot. And they signed a cornerback who's been with, I don't know, seven teams in 15 minutes, a guy named B.W. Webb. That was the sum, total, and substance, by and large, of what they did in free agency. Then they went to the combine, uh, then they went to individual workouts, and here comes the draft. In round one, I, I happen to be in the camp. I happen to be in the camp who believes that they did not get outmaneuvered by the Steelers. Now, I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of buzz out there that the Steelers drafted uh, ahead of the Bengals and traded up to do so because they didn't want the Bengals to get the guy they wanted. And so the Steelers kind of outmaneuvered the Bengals. Well, I don't think that was the case. I think the Steelers, I think the Bengals would have been happy one way or the other with getting a linebacker that could quarterback their defense or getting a right tackle that could once and for all solidify that side of the offensive line. Think about it. And I don't know, I, I, I don't think Jonah Williams is going to play right tackle very long. I think this is a guy, if you look at his history and you look at his talents, he'll slide over and play left tackle. Who knows? Right now he's a right tackle. But I think if you look at, at that, that, that position, who was the last great right tackle that the Bengals had? And how long have they been searching for someone to play that position at an extremely high level? It has been a really long time. So now they've got Jonah Williams, who is going to allegedly slide in and play right tackle. And across the front, you have Cordy Glenn, who I think is very good. Not great, very good. Has to stay healthy. You have Clint Bowling at left guard. Billy Price at center. At right guard, now, you've got John Miller. Now, I wouldn't I, – I can I can honestly say I saw a lot of Buff- – I saw – I watched a lot of football. I have the NFL ticket and all that. I watched a lot of Buffalo Bill games last year. I can't honestly tell you that I looked at Buffalo Bills games last year and the one guy that jumped off the screen was John Miller. But I knew I do know if you look at the grades that he got, if you if you look at how people evaluated that free agent signing for the Bengals, it was it was generally given high marks. And now they add Jonah Williams at right tackle. It doesn't take oh, and by the way, I probably should mention this. In round two, they took a tight end that was not a household name, even in his own household. Drew Sample out of Washington. He can catch the ball. His big thing is blocking. But he was projected to go in round four, round five. Well, okay, sometimes these these internet gurus, these keyboard warriors make mistakes. Not sometimes, oftentimes, when they evaluate a player. But it's a, is it not apparent that in the wake of at least the first two rounds of this NFL draft, and what the Bengals did in the offseason, that they've rebuilt their line so they can run, run, run. And why would you not if you have a running back as good as Joe Mixon? Now, Mixon rolling in here last year came complete with baggage, and we all know the incident out there in Oklahoma. We don't, we don't need to go over that. It's He's a guy that came in here, was a model citizen, took the ball, and ran with it. And in a large sense dominated games when he did. Then, of course, came injuries and everything else, and it kind of went flying off the rails. 
This is a pass-first league. This is a league where you got to score a lot of points. This is a head coach that is coming from a franchise where they score a lot of points. But if you look critically at what the Rams did last year, for as much as Jared Goff liked to throw the ball downfield, it was their inability late in the season to run the football that kind of hurt them as they maneuvered their way through that Super Bowl against the Patriots. And it was kind of dicey, too. Getting there, Todd Gurley was not 100%. They had to go on the street and find some senior citizen in C.J. Anderson to jumpstart their running game. So it's not like you can say, well, well they're going to throw the ball 40-50. No, they're not. No, they're not. They're going to run the football because that's where their strength is right now. And when you run it, what do you do? I mean, you're a veteran football watcher. All of a sudden, then, if you run successfully, you suck the safeties up, for run support, corners have got to do the same thing. And what does that do? It opens the field downfield for players like A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd. So that's, to me, what, what this was all about. I mean, it, it doesn't take a rocket science scientist to figure it out. But the bigger question, I think, regardless of what their strategy was in this draft, is are you excited? Are you geeked about this team? Because the sizzle left this team a long time ago. The attendance plummeted here the last two years, and it was one of the mitigating reasons why Marvin Lewis is no longer the head coach here, because the team created absolutely no buzz in this city. It didn't win, it didn't play interesting football, and its defense sucked. So now here, here's you. you the, the power shifts back to you. And the question is, are you geeked? about this team and what it has done since the end of last season. Fire the coach, wait a long time for a new young head coach, guy that comes in here with maybe some different ideas. It was a catharsis getting assistant coaches in here, particularly the defensive coordinator. They go into free agency. They don't do anything spectacular. The Bengals never do anything spectacular, whether it's in free agency or anything else. They go to the draft. Everybody said, well, what about Dwayne Haskins? How about him? How about life after Andy Dalton? And I was one of those beating that, that, that drum, too. Well, again, the Bengals don't do anything dynamic. They just don't. The one time they did something dynamic, it blew up in their face, not because of the guy wasn't any good, but because of luck, it was Kajana Carter. So they weren't going to take a quarterback. They doubled down on Andy Dalton, probably Zach Taylor. One of the reasons why he got the job was, hey, I can work with Andy Dalton. I think Andy Dalton's a good quarterback. I think we can make things happen again if we fix these other things. So they fixed these other things, like right guard, like right tackle, like getting a tight end in that can block. So I'm just I'm wondering, in the wake of all of that, is that enough? Does that get you back on your feet? Does that get you geeked to a point where you will actually dig into your pocket and buy some money? Uh, to get into your pocket, for some money, and buy a ticket. I don't know. I don't sense it today. But again, I don't, I don't sense that a lot of these teams, other than the ones that had the number one overall pick, or the ones that traded up to get the guy they wanted, or the team that got the sexy pick, the quarterback that they wanted, I don't know if that's... I don't know if there's anybody, really, that's up on the balls of their feet anywhere about their team right now, because you don't know what these guys look like, what they can do, how they can contribute. You've seen highlight tapes. Maybe you watched them in college. But I do think this is a team right here, right now, in our town, that needs a little bit of sizzle. 
And I just, I just don't think they got that sizzle in, in this draft. But, is, but for you, is that okay? Because honestly, I think the one way you create sizzle is to win football games. And the question really is, is did this, did these last three days bring enough players here to help this team win football games? You can forget about players taken after the fourth round. Those are called bonus picks. Those are called players that may surprise you. History dictates that players that are drafted after the fourth round don't, by and large, stick with the roster very long. Round five players, about 81% of the time. Round six, 70% of the time. Round seven, they're around for the first year, about 58% of the time. And as you go through round years two, three, four, and five with these guys, the percentages drop off. You define your draft, and you make your mark in rounds one, two, three, and four. And if you can get something, anything, out of a later pick, the anomalies, of course, being players like T.J. Hushmanzada and Tom Brady, players that come late in the draft, surprise everybody. If you can do that, that's great. But you win the draft with rounds one, two, three, and four. And I would submit round one was pretty darn good. I would submit rounds two and three were head-scratchers. I would submit that round four, to get Ryan Finley, who's basically an Andy Dalton clone. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist-pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That was pretty good, too. Not dynamic. But is it good enough to win? It's good enough to win football games. We don't know. Won't know for several months. If they win football games, the sizzle is back. If you win, they will come. Right now, I don't sense the sizzle. And if indeed winning is the ultimate sizzle, we're not going to know till September. That's what we'll wait on. What we've had here since the end of last season was a restructuring. The restructuring is just about done because there's not a whole lot of uh, lumber left to restructure. But on the strength of the draft and what they needed, I think they did okay. The question becomes, did they do okay in the sizzle department for you to get geeked and in the win department so all of us can have an interest again in this team? It's 921. Welcome to Sunday Morning Sports Talk on the show today. Matt Snyder, CBS Sports on your Cincinnati Reds. Thought they were on to something after Friday night. But you ebb in your flow when you're trying to get things going, both offensively and last night pitching-wise. He'll join us. Also, Austin Gale, ProFootballFocus.com. His thoughts on what transpired over the last three days in the NFL draft. 
We'll be joined at 11, uh, 11.30 by Justin Williams of The Athletic. Look, there has, there's been a major story in college sports, in college basketball, and to a degree in college football with this whole FBI scandal and the federal investigation into such and testimony that went down this week that could have far-reaching effect. I mean, it could implicate a lot, a lot of schools, and some of them not too far from our doorstep. So we'll get into all of that and a lot more. It's Sunday morning sports talk, and it's you and me on the home of your Cincinnati Bengals. Wait, 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 not September. News Radio 700WLW.com. 700WLW, welcome back to the festivities. He turned 68 today. That'll make you feel old. The lead guitarist for Kiss. Big solo hit for Ace Frehley back in 1978 when every one of the Kiss lineup were working on solo deals. Got the nickname Ace in high school because all his buddies thought he was just a big hit with the ladies. Ace answered an ad at a New York City newspaper. A bunch of guys were looking for a guitarist for this new group they were putting together, and he was told to go to an apartment on the east side of Manhattan. And at that, at that apartment waiting for him were Peter Chris, Gene Simmons, and Paul Stanley. Now, who were those guys back then? Anyway, he did the audition. He, he, audition, he got the gig. And, of course, $100 million in record sales later. And a spot in the Hall of Fame, class of 2014, Ace Freely. Who came upon this earth 68 years ago today is Paul Freely. Became part of rock legends. By the way, it's going to clear up uh, later today, and uh, we're going to get up to about 58. Not all that bad, actually. Stand at about 10 degrees more, but listen, who's complaining? Uh, clear tonight, low 44. Tomorrow the sun returns. Maybe a shower in the afternoon. 75 uh, for the high on Monday. 81 for the high on Tuesday. And then uh, maybe a chance of showers and thunderstorms on Wednesday. High of 82. Not bad, not bad at all. 43 degrees right now at the Tri-State Severe Weather Station. News Radio 700 WLW. In a moment, Matt Snyder on your Cincinnati Reds will talk more Bengals draft too. I... I don't want to say the jury's still out for me, but I, I kind of like kind of like what happened here. I really do. Time for the news on News Radio 700 WLW. More at Encore.tech. I know this is Sunday morning sports talk, but I just listened to Rick Uccino in the news. I got him in here. So there was a brawl last night at the Chuck E. Cheese. Where was this? In Sharonville. Sharon. The Chuck E. Cheese in Sharonville. Ten, and, uh, ten yes, adults? Ten, uh, witnesses say at least ten adults uh, <laughs> were, were thrown down. <laughs> At the Chuck E. Cheese in Sharonville last night in front of several children. Obviously, there's going to be children at Chuck E. Cheese. Um, so so uh, who knows what's – were they going at each other with those whack-a-mole uh, mallets? Or? No idea. Don't know if Chuck E. Cheese himself got involved in the brawl. <laughs> don't know. You know, don't they have I – mean, it's been decades since I've been to a Chuck E. Cheese, but don't they have like a stage where these characters come out? Yes. And the, they, the last hmm. time I was at one as well, it was like my niece's like sixth birthday party, and she's 13 now. So it's been a, it's been a hot minute since I've been there. I would have said shut up and watch the show. <laughs> By the way, I think Showbiz Pizza was better than Chuck E. Cheese. But anyway, I would say shut up and watch the show. 
Can you imagine? I don't know if there was cutting in line at the ski ball machine. Oh my I God. don't know. Uh, one gentleman did suffer a facial injury. He's the one who had to go to the, the hospital. A child did have to be hospitalized so last we got, night. We don't know the severity yeah. of their yeah. injury. So we got uh, so th- this, is we got a, this is a serious story, but I, I got to tell you, it, it's kind of hard keeping a straight face talking about I'm a brawl like, breaking out at Chuck E. Cheese. There's just, just something about saying the words Chuck E. Cheese right. that you just can't not smile. All, of all the places you would least expect a <laughs> brawl to break out, I, I would have to put Chuck E. Cheese up there. I don't know. To me, a bunch of parents chasing kids around, that seems like the place there should be more fights <laughs> breaking out is Chuck E. Cheese. Right. Rick, you'll have more of that as the morning progresses. Yes, I will keep you abreast of the situation. All right. Thank you, Rick. By the way, this is the CBTS NFL Draft Recap Show, and it's brought to you by CBTS, a Cincinnati Bell company, one company for all of your technology needs. Uh, this is Greg and Madeira wants to weigh in on the draft. You go right ahead, Greg. Uh, Ken, how you doing? All right, buddy. Well, here's the thing. Like, the players they drafted, you got a lot, two linemen, a blocking tight end. Let's just face it. It's not that as exciting, you know, as drafting a quarterback, a running back, a receiver, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But you know what I have to say about all this? It's one thing it definitely tells you that, you know, they're definitely going to reinforce the running game and all that. And I got no problem with that. Mm. I think Mixon can do it. You got the, that's another reason why they drafted those two running backs also, I believe. Well, but, not only that, if you look at Los Angeles last year and what yeah. they did, you know, they a couple of years ago they brought Whitworth in. They brought other players. Their line was really good last year. And so I'm sure oh, McVay yeah. is saying, well, wait a minute. The reason why Goff had the chance to do all of the things that Goff was doing was because he had blocking. He had an offensive line. Oh, and by the way, they had Todd Gurley, and they could run the football as well. Absolutely. And like you said, when they got C.J., when they got Anderson also to help out, I mean, mm. every time when Gurley was burned out, you have C.J. Anderson come in all fresh. And, you know, it was just like that's what really cranked him up and all that. And that's exactly what the Bengals are trying to do here. And, look, Jonah Williams, from listening to Dave Lapham, it sounds like they still probably would have taken Jonah Williams. Oh, I agree. I agree. I don't think that maneuver that Pittsburgh did really changed their strategy in any way, shape, or form. I mean, would they have liked, thank you, Greg, would they have liked to have had a linebacker, White, Bush, anybody there? Yeah, sure, you would. But if you come right down to it, you got a guy right now, I mean, right now, Cordy Glenn is the left tackle. Uh, Jonah Williams played left tackle for three of the the years he was at uh, Alabama. He started off as a right tackle, but he could play either way. I mean, you, you still you still have Cordy Glenn there. So my guess is initially he'll play a little right, they'll play him a little left, at least in camp, and then we'll see where it ferrets out. But for the moment, you pencil him in at right tackle. I don't have a problem. It's not sexy, but the Bengals and sexy have never been mentioned in the same sentence until right now. All right, on to baseball. The Reds lost the, uh, yesterday, and uh, it was um, it was disappointing after a 12-1 to win the night before. I thought, well, you know, maybe you know this thing is... It's starting to take off now, but uh, St. Louis wins 6-2 to last night, yesterday afternoon, and uh, Tyler Malley was not good. Malley goes five, seven hits, five earned runs, and uh, the hitting was not good. They had seven hits. Uh, Jesse, Jesse Winker is hitting the ball better, better. Uh, Puig is still struggling, but he had a hit yesterday, and Shebler is, is a lost ball at this point. It's kind of disappointing. In the power rankings this week on CBSSports.com, Matt Snyder has your Cincinnati Reds 18 out of 30 franchises. Why there? Thinking behind it. Let's find out. Let's go to the AcuteHearingCenters.com hotline and bring in the aforementioned from CBSSports.com, Matt Snyder. Matt, good morning and thanks for joining us. 
Hey, good to be here. How are you? Well, uh, yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm fine. My expectations <laughs> were pretty high before the season began. I honestly thought it was going to be a different uh, type of thing. I think the pitching has been good, but I, I can't remember a collection of hitters for this Reds team that has hit the ball so poorly at the start of a season. It, it's almost mind-boggling, given, given the track record that most of these guys have. I can't figure it out. Have you been able to? No, I can't. But but here's the thing. It, it, there might be kind of a silver lining in that because heading into the year, as you mentioned, the personnel with their track record, if you looked at the offense, and I thought, I mean, the team preview, I sang the praises of the offense, and I was worried about the rotation. Uh, if you look at the track records here, they should be a good offense, if not a great offense. And, and as I'm looking at it, they're among the, the – terrible teams in the National League and run scored average on pitch percentage, slugging percentage. There are so many guys who should be way better than this. I mean, even the guys like Suarez has a decent OPS, but a low average. Joey Votto, he should be way, I know he's 35, but he should be way better than this. Peraza, Lord. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Puig is way better than this. Uh, you know, Winker, other than the power, should be way better. Almost everybody's been bad except Dietrich. Yeah, and even him, even he has a low average. He just has the power numbers. Well, they're they're outfield. I mean, it's almost criminal how poorly they're they're, they're hitting. One of the things and they I have good personnel. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. You know, now Kemp's hurt. I get that, but they uh, and Winker, I think, has just been a victim of bad luck. He's hit some balls on the screws that just you know have not fallen in for hits. But to me, they they there doesn't seem to be a lot of plate discipline up there. They all have the same approach. They're they're a team of free swingers. And I guess you could look back to the days of Adam Dunn, Austin Kearns, Aaron Boone, Ken Griffey Jr. I mean, they were that, that was an era of free swingers. Uh, so far, these guys aren't Austin Kearns, Adam Dunn, and Ken Griffey Jr. and Aaron Boone, uh, but they do have that trait. There doesn't seem to be a lot of plate discipline. There are no walks, the on-base percentage is down, and there are no hits. So I, I don't know yeah. if it's philosophy from uh, David Bell and his hitting coach or if it's just a collection of guys that are just playing the game the same way. I think that, especially early season in these small samples, you get a team that falls into losing, and they had that eight-game losing streak early on. You start pressing. Uh, somebody like Yassiel Puig, who is so emotional, he's in his free agent year. He's in the first year in Cincinnati. You can see him pressing and desperately trying to impress not only the new fans, but teams for free agency. It's, I think it might be just a bunch of cases like that where it's a coincidence. I just... I can't buy, in looking at the personnel here, that Puig's going to be this bad all year, that Winker's not going to hit better, that Shevler's going to be this bad all year, that Iglesias, I mean, he's going to be what he is. But Peraza, I can't I can't buy him not being a lot better. Votto, at least he's 35. So you can say, oh, maybe there's some age-related decline there. But everybody else is just either they're exactly what they should be or they're not even close to it. Nobody's overachieving at all. Usually you have at least yeah. one guy who's overachieving, but they don't have any. I, I, and I know you can't boil baseball down to one player because it's not fair. It's a team game. You have to play both offense and defense. I mean, it's unlike any other sport. I'm just wondering, how much do you think they miss Scooter Jeanette? Because there was a guy that would make contact he wasn't a, you know, he didn't try and do things outside of his zone. I kind of think they miss him a little bit, don't you? I certainly think they miss him. I don't think 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. That you could say the reason that everybody's been either terrible or in Iglesias' case exactly what you expect them to be, I don't think we could boil that down to, oh, that's just because Scooter's out. Yeah. It's not just that. But it, it definitely hurts when you lose a player of his caliber and you plug in somebody like Iglesias who is a great defensive shortstop, but he's limited offensively in his upside. And, you know, then you kick Peraza the second. I don't know if the position change had anything to do with his offensive struggles, but it might. You know, you get used to playing shortstop all of most of last year and then throughout spring training and then at the last minute you're kicked back over to second base. That might have had something to yeah. do with yeah. his offensive struggles. You never know. Yeah. So I think it definitely matters. You have the Reds on your power rankings this week, 18th, which is almost middle of the pack. You have them down there with the Rockies, who are on the surge, and the Nationals and the Mets, who are falling. Um, I, I don't disagree with it. I think that's about where they are, largely because of their pitching. Their starting pitching has just been remarkable this year and surprising, and that's what's keeping them around. But you know how baseball is, Matt. The minute they start yeah. hitting again, the pitching is going to go south. It's that rare yeah. team that can merge both early in the season and set the tone that generally has the most success. And I think this is what all of this is is couched against. It's it's Eventually, the hitting is going to get good again. Maybe the pitching wanes a little bit. But once all of that comes together, they may be so far out of it, June, July, August, that we're right back to where we were last year. That's my fear. Yes, and, and, and another arm to that is you look at, okay, right now, roughly 25, you're mid-20s mid games in the season. You're second in the National League in ERA and you're about five games under 500, that's not (laughs) – Yeah. if you would have said coming into the season they were going to be second in the RA, I'd be like, oh, man, they're probably in first place (laughs) because I thought they were going to hit. So uh, problematic there is if you look at the team as constructed and you look at the number of free agents after the season, if this thing goes south and, hey, look around the division. The, The Cubs are going really good right now. The Cardinals are going really good right now. The Pirates have had a good start this season. The Brewers had a good start, but yeah. uh, you know they're they're wavering. But still, they have talent. Yeah, yeah. You, you look around the Reds: Matt Kemp, Tanner Roark, Scooter Gannett, Yasiel Puig, Alex Wood, David Hernandez, Jose yeah. Iglesias. Yeah, yeah. go. Yeah, all free agents after this year. Yeah. you could see a house cleaning, and and that's disheartening coming into a season where a lot of people, myself included, thought the Reds had a chance to be kind of a breakout, a fun breakout team. We chatted with Matt Snyder, National Baseball Correspondent, CBSSports.com. Um, yeah, the, the, the starting pitching, I think, has been has been terrific. I think Sonny Gray was a terrific pickup. Even when Sonny's not on his game, 
He's not walking anybody. He's striking out a bunch of guys. Luis Castillo, I everybody seemed to love that guy before the season began. The you know the the sabermetrics guys were talking about one of the best, if not the best, young pitcher under twenty five in Major League Baseball. And I had been screaming for them to go out and get an ace in free agency this year. Well, they didn't do that. I've been screaming for Dallas Keuchel. Well, turns out Dallas is worth more in his own mind than he is anywhere else. But I think Castillo, <laughs> Matt, I think Castillo has the makings of a bona fide ace. I, I really think, yeah. oh, I go look for one. You've got one right here. I agree. And I thought that going into last year, and then I felt really stupid after his start this season because, remember, uh, 2017 down the stretch, he was amazing mm. and just got off to a terrible start last year. But it seems like he's got that fix. And, uh, man, what a steal that trade yeah. uh, is going to end up being for the Reds. Yeah. He's only 26 years old. He's coming into his own. Um I still like Keuchel as a fit if they can climb into contention. I still like Keuchel as a fit uh, in this rotation, especially if Alex Wood is going to continue to have issues before coming back. Throw a lefty in the middle of that rotation. And and Keuchel's not an ace anymore. But if you say Castillo's the ace, then you throw Keuchel in the mix with Rorick and Gray. That's a pretty nice rotation right there. And uh, if the offense comes around along with the Boltons, it kind of – Electric arms on the back end. I still like his legs, even though he's had a, a few rough outings. That has the makings of a contender. Yeah. The, the problem is he might be in the wrong division. If they were in the AL Central, yeah. Yeah. he'd still be in pretty good shape. Yeah, nothing happens in a vacuum, that's for sure. And the NL Central is just yeah. a killer division. Matt Snyder, read him right now, cbssports.com. You will be smarter if you do that. Thank you, Matt. Man, thank you. High praise. We're just trying to extend knowledge here on these Sunday mornings. Uh, Reds play later on this afternoon. They uh, look for the series win against the Cardinals, but then again, the Cardinals in first place in the National League Central Division by two games over Milwaukee are searching for the same thing. The Reds begin today at a record of 11 and 6, 15, I'm sorry, 11 and 15, and they are five games out of first place. Now, let's throw the quarter in the jukebox and bring on the iHeartRadio Quintet, led by Fitz Pontoon, a brother of the late Fats Pontoon. And the tune that plays now will tell you that it is time for the play of the game. Now, if you were listening last night to the play-by-play, the blow-by-blow broadcast from St. Louis, you know what the play of the game is. Aha, but now you've got to be the seventh correct caller. What number did he say, Martha? Fred, I brought you from the inside. I brought you out. You know what I mean? I, I sent the guy back on the boat to England, right? He's gone. I want you. And I said, I said to you, you know where you're coming in the house? Have you cleaned your ears out? He said the seventh correct caller, Fred. I love Grant. 749-3700, the number. We'll have the winner, the winning play, and uh, what the winner gets next. Sunday morning sports talk, 700 WLW. To Milford. All right, without further ado, here now the play of the game from last night when the Cardinals beat the Reds. He will check Carpenter once and pitch to the plate. Fly ball left center field. Uh-oh. Hit well ah. and long. Ah. And gone. Yeah. 3-2 Cardinals. That's it. Marcel Ozuna. He's in double figures in the home run category. 
And now 24 RBIs on the year. And that pitch was right there, and Ozuna, he did not miss it. Nope, didn't. Here today, gone tomorrow. Meantime, Joe Hammermeister of the Beaver Creek, Ohio Hammermeisters was the correct caller, and he wins tickets to the Dodgers-Reds game on May the 17th. You're saying, Ken, how can I be like Joe? Why, you can listen to the game this afternoon. Find out what the play of the game is, and then tomorrow morning, call Mike in the morning. That'd be Mike McConnell. He'll have a chance for you to win all over again on the home of the Reds 700 WLW. By the way, before we go any further, congratulations to the Columbus Blue Jackets. 3-2 winners last night in Boston in the playoffs. That series is now tied at 1-1. The Blue Jackets win it in thrilling fashion. Watched how it transpired was mesmerized as they win it in double overtime, and that series now shifts back to Columbus this week. We're talking the draft. Coming up in just a moment, Austin Gale, ProFootballFocus.com. He wants to weigh in. Meanwhile, in Virginia, here is Steven. Steven, you're on the air, and you go right ahead. Uh, thanks, Ken. Uh, always enjoy your show. Uh, real quick, I think the Bengals did an okay job with their draft. Uh, I do like the running back pick. He was a steal. At first, I was somewhat uh, cynical about him, but after looking at tape and reading about him, uh, he's he's a good answer. You're uh, talking you're, you're talking about the kid from uh, Texas Trey. A&M, Trey, yeah, yeah Trayvon Trey Williams. Williams, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, was absolutely. actually, you know, he was. A lot of people thought he would go higher than that. It might be because of yeah. his size. He's not tall. But he's not small. Right. He's kind of he's he's like a. Right. I, I hate comparisons. But like a like a, a spark he's plug. A who was that, who was that yeah. kid that played out of Syracuse back in the age? Joe Morris was that who it is? I, was that's back, right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good analogy. Kind of reminds me a little a, him. Yeah, he might even be a, a younger uh, uh, Ben Jarvis, uh, uh, the, the law firm. Oh yeah, maybe maybe, maybe. I think yeah. he I think he's stouter than him. But anyway, yeah, I thought that was a good pick. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, good pick. I'm a little on the fence with the tight end. Uh, he's not. A, he's a pa- he's a pass catcher, uh, but uh, lacks some speed. He does get downfield. So yeah. my big issue with the Bengals really on draft is not necessarily draft day. It's how they develop the talent. Uh, the Bengals have to do much better developing the talent uh, and and mi- and mining out uh, later round drafts and developing that late round yeah. draft talent. Yeah. Well, you that's, know, that's yeah, yeah, you know, Stephen, that's a great point. Thanks for the call. Remember now, this is a different group in there that's going to be doing the developing, or at least, by and large, a different group. There's still some holdovers from Marvin Lewis's staff. Let's see. I don't know. It's obvious they want to run. Straight ahead, Austin Gale. He is the guru at profootballfocus.com. We'll get his take on what the Bengals did next. It's Sunday morning sports talk. You and me on 700 WLW. Now, News Radio 700 WLW presents Sunday Morning Sports Talk with your host, Ken Brew, on News Radio 700 WLW. As a point of qualification, this is the CBTS NFL Draft Recap Show. Brought to you by CBTS's Cincinnati Bell Company. One company for all of your technological needs. Or so it says right here on this handy little paper that they've given me. So it's the day after the draft. Everybody is weighing in. Who did what? Who did this? Who did that? Who had the best draft? Who didn't have the best draft? Who should have done more? Who should have done less? Did this guy really and truly deserve to be drafted here? On and on it will go until we actually see these guys on the field. And that won't be 
for a long, long time. I mean, really and truly, we're not going to be able to see any of this play out until the preseason games, and then even then, we may have some questions. I've said all through the uh, process that the most definitive, in-depth, and the most comprehensive draft guide belong to a company right here in Cincinnati, ProFootballFocus.com. And uh, in reading their grades for all of these NFL teams, the Bengals come in, according to ProFootballFocus.com, at average. Now, the guy that's the brains behind their draft coverage, who pieced all of this together, who collated all of the information that was coming into ProFootballFocus.com, in other words, the nerve center of this whole operation, has been with us throughout the course of this offseason leading into the draft, and he is Austin Gale. And he joins us now on the AcuteHearingCenters.com hotline. And Austin, happy day after the draft, and how are you? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Bengals get an average grade from ProFootballFocus.com. What would be the reason for that? Yeah, their first pick, Jonah Williams, it is a pick we love here at Pro Football Focus. I mean, he's our number four overall player in the class. To snag a guy like that at number 11 is great value. He's a guy that could be with this team for a very long time and producing at a very high level. He could do everything you want him to. He's a great run blocker, great pass protector. I think he's a high-ceiling, high-floor prospect. We love that pick. Mm -hmm. Heading into day two, you start to question, you know, we don't love the Drew Sample selection at 52. That That had a big downgrade from us. He's not a pass-catching mismatch weapon. He's a run blocker. He had the highest run blocking grade of any tight end last year. However, that's not as valuable as some of the other positions that were there, some of the other players that were there. When you compare that to the corners that were on the board, even wide receivers that were on the board, people that can affect the pass. Didn't love that. Drew Sample doesn't really have a ton of value. And Jermaine Pratt as well. He's a great run defending. He's even maybe somewhat of a good pass rusher, but you need to affect the passing game. You need to play well in coverage in order to be a valuable pick for us in those slots. We like the Ryan Finley pick. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Two, using two top 100 picks with Pat and sample where they were, that's what really dragged this grade down. Let's stop right here at Finley, and let's let's go back to sample. Um, as you said, sample is is a run blocker. That's what he's known for. I think he only had like five touchdown catches at, at, at Washington, but he's a he's a he's a run blocker. It leaves it it doesn't lead to a lot of imagination to come to the conclusion that the Bengals with Williams and with Sample are going to go back and commit to the run. It just I mean it just. I'm not saying they're not going to throw the ball. Sure they are. Their best weapons are 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 still A.J. Green and, to a lesser extent, Tyler Boyd. But this this looks like a recommitment to the run, does it not? 
Oh, absolutely. I think Jonah Williams, you look at that first pick, Jonah Williams is a very good run-blocking tackle. He can play tackle. He can play guard. He could start day one at pretty much any position along the offensive line and be a great run-blocker. You look at Drew Sample. If that's not committing to a run, I don't know what is. I mean, he's yeah. not a great receiving tight end. You took him high. You obviously value that run-blocking tight end in your offense. If you value it so high, you've got to use him. You're going to have to bring him in at yeah. you know, the first and second tight end and have him block a ton. I think you commit to the run. With those guys, obviously running not as valuable as passing in today's NFL, but if you could do it well with players that know how to block and know how to block for Joe Mixon and the other backs that you have, you're going to have success. Right, and, and you look at what the Rams were doing out in Los Angeles. Sure, a lot of it was Jared Goff throwing the ball, but they had Todd Gurley, and when he was healthy, they had a really good running attack. So, again, football and strategy in such hasn't changed all that over the, over the course of time. If you run the ball, you suck safeties up, that then opens things up downfield for your other for your other attacks throwing the ball. Now, the Pratt selection, to me, was a head-scratcher. Um, this is a guy that started one game in his college career. He's a converted safety, and I, I, I really don't know what they're doing there. It almost seemed like, oh, my God, we didn't get a linebacker in round one or two. Let's get one here. If you look at his, at his resume, it's not bad, but there's nothing that jumps out at you and says, wow, this guy is going to be an impact player in the NFL. I'm 100% with you. He's great against the run. He earned a 90-plus run defense grade for us. He had a great pass rushing grade. This is a guy that attacks at the line of scrimmage. However, put him off the line of scrimmage, put him in coverage, whether it's man or zone, he did not have a ton of success at NC State. Bad coverage off-ball linebackers aren't the things the Bengals need. They've got enough of those guys. I think they need to find a guy like Blake Cashman, Ben Burkirvin even made sense there, guys that can play well in coverage, that are athletic enough, to play well in coverage in zone schemes. There wasn't a linebacker after Devin White, Devin Bush, that can stick to tight ends and man coverage. And those guys will have a tough time covering the Travis Kelsey, Zacharis of the world. After those two guys, you're hoping to find a guy that's athletic enough and instinctual enough to play well in zone coverage. They didn't find that even in Jermaine Pratt. I think he's a great run defender, and he can have some success as a pass rusher, but put him in coverage. It's a head-scratcher pick for sure. Uh, Ryan Finley, one of their, let's see, four... Four, uh, three fourth-round picks. Uh, he seems to be an Andy Dalton clone. He's a smart guy. His Wonderlick score, they leaked that out. It was 43. It was head and shoulders above every other quarterback in the class of 2019. I, I think Ryan Finley could play in the NFL I at this point, a day after drafting him. Uh, Austin, I, I don't see Ryan Finley really pressing Andy Dalton if he gets the opportunity to do so. Could Ryan Finley eventually be a top-tier quarterback in the NFL, in your opinion? Maybe. I mean, with quarterback play, it's all a projection. I mean, you're, you're projecting so much because the level of competition gets so much different. I mean, accuracy is something we care about a ton here at Pro Football Focus. We see accuracy translate to the NFL. If you're bad with, you know, bad from an accuracy standpoint in college, you're normally bad in, in the NFL. Same if you're good at you know, a very accurate passer in college if you go to the NFL. That usually sticks with you. And Ryan Finley, from a throw-for-throw basis, is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the class. The problem with him is arm strength. He's not a guy that can throw it deep and, and push the ball downfield consistently and have that actually deep down the field. But the short and intermediate levels, he's a very accurate thrower of the football, and that's exciting for a Bengals team that's looking for a backup that maybe puts some pressure on Andy Dalton, but I like him in that backup spot, especially with that fourth-round value. Uh, of all the teams in the AFC uh, North, 
your rating for every one of them is average. The only one that gets above average is Pittsburgh, and I think a lot of that really and truly is is the top end of their draft as well. Devin, did you? I don't think they outmaneuvered the Bengals. I think the Bengals pretty much wanted who they got in in uh, in Jonah Williams in in round one. I don't I don't think that uh, I think Devin Bush would have made an interesting decision for them, but I'm not sure that Pittsburgh really outmaneuvered them. Did they? It's hard. It's all speculation at this point. However, I don't. I can see the Bengals if Devin Bush is sitting there at eleven to take him over Jonah Williams. I wouldn't agree with the pick. I think Jonah Williams was the best player available there at number eleven. I think they made a great selection in that. But I could see them trying to force need rather than best player available and take Devin Bush if the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't take him and move up. A big reason why the Steelers did get the grade that they did here on Pro Football Focus is one: the Devin Bush pick is great. We like that. They traded up to get him, but he's a great player. Fills a need for them. Very, you know, one of two, like I said, one of two linebackers, off-ball linebackers mm-hmm. in this class that can play well in coverage, both in zone and in man. He can stick with guys in man more so than any other linebacker in this class. So you like when you get there. And then they, too, two picks kind of love. Deontay Johnson out of Toledo is a guy I fell in love yeah. with in this draft process. He's a very creative, yes. deceptive route runner. You know, he was getting compared to here in the office to Antonio Brown, Chad Ochocinco, he reminds us of that creative, skilled mm-hmm. route runner. His footwork is absurd. He has some drops. That's a concern. But I think if, if he can just continue to get open like he did at Toledo, he's going to be very, very special in the NFL. And then moving to day three, I mean, round three, Justin Lane out of Michigan State is an outstanding quarterback. He was a top 40 player for us. To get him in the third round like they did yeah. was a steal in our opinion. We love those first three picks, and it's a big reason why they were so high in our grade. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what. I, I watched a lot of Toledo games this year, and uh, Deontay Johnson, I mean, he compared him to some of those other guys. He runs routes. I mean, if you say that's the route, he runs that route. Ocho Cinco, God bless him, you would say run the route, and then he just, you know, make it up as he goes. But <laughs> I, ju- I, I I think this, this, this guy is disciplined, and I think he's going to fit right into what the Steelers do offensively. I'm not saying he's going to replace Antonio Brown right away, but with his speed and his ability to run precise routes, he's going to be a handful for, uh, for any defensive backfield to cover. Look, hey, Austin, you win in the game. You win in the NFL with your first four rounds. I mean, statistics would tell you that after round four, you may find a surprise. There may be a TJ Hushmanzada. There may be a Tom Brady. Not very often, but you've got to win in the first four rounds of a draft. I think if you look at what the Bengals did in the first four rounds of the draft and the players they took, uh, I think that they, 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 they did well with round one. I think they did well with their first pick in round four. Uh, and I'm not sure after that with Ren and Jordan, and I'm pretty sure that Sample and Pratt aren't going to come in and light it up. Sample what he can do or for what they want him to do will probably be okay. Of the four teams in the, in the division, Cleveland, which obviously didn't have a first-round pick, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati, who won the first four rounds of this draft? Yeah, that's a great question. I think Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh won the first four rounds. Outside of the Benny Snell pick at the top, you know, or the middle of round four, we didn't love that pick. He wasn't a running back that was high on our board, and we don't value running backs high much at all. You know, we, we, they're very low on our board from a positional value standpoint. That pick aside, like we talked about, those first three picks were fantastic. All great value additions. We like the trade up for Devin Bush brings it down slightly, mm-hmm. but still to get a fantastic player in round one. And then in day three, find two very valuable, great players in Deontay Johnson and Justin Lane, all of which affect the pass game. That's a huge part. Devin Bush, great coverage linebacker. Deontay Johnson obviously helps the passing game, one of the better receivers in this class. Justin Lane, 
can cover and stop the pass. When you right. affect the pass with your top 100 picks or picks in the top 100, you're, we're going to like those drafts. I think Pittsburgh won the you know first four rounds of the draft if you just move along from that Benny Snell pick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Austin Gale, always great, always in depth, always right on target. And uh, even though the draft is come and gone, we'll uh, we'll be tapping into you. I guarantee you, as we get closer to the camps. Thank you, Austin. Thank you. Have a good one. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh with that uh, wide receiver from uh, from Toledo really and truly put the capper on their draft. And that was early. I mean, that was early in the draft. They, you know, they they got him in round two. Um, yeah, I wasn't really excited about the Snell pick. I'll tell you a pick that really could pan out for Cincinnati. And again, we won't know. I just you just you wait and you see. But they got uh, Trayvon Williams out of Texas A and M in round six, running back, and uh, that probably was too late for him to be picked. They were lucky he was there. They grabbed him with a hundred and eighty second overall pick. Keep an eye on him. I don't necessarily think you'll see a lot of him, particularly if Joe Mixon is doing his thing, and particularly if Gio Bernard can stay healthy. But that could be that could be one of those below four round picks. That could really pan out for the Bengals. We'll see. It's all lip flapping until we actually get on the field and see who can do what. It's coming up on 1023 News Radio 700 WLW. Go to Vonderhaar.com. 700 WLW. What were you doing? What were you doing 39 years ago right now? Because this was the number one song in the USA. This is Blondie. From the movie American Gigolo, number one for six straight weeks, back in 1980. Written by Deborah Harry, who was Blondie, and the Euro Disco King, Giorgio Moroder. Wrote a lot of Donna Summer's hits, by the way. But Moroder says Harry wasn't, his, she wasn't his number one pick for this song. He wanted Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks is who he wanted. Ah, but she was tied up with the... With uh, Fleetwood Mac and all the drama going on around that group, she couldn't get out of that, couldn't get out of this. So his next stop was Harry. He says, hey, I got this idea, I got this tune, you want to write some lyrics for it? And so they crafted one of the biggest hits of the 1980s. Blondie, of course, was Harry and uh, guitarist in the group, Chris Stein. They were quite the item for about 20 years, but they split. They're still touring together, so I guess everybody's okay. And uh, just saw this uh, maybe a month ago in Rolling Stone magazine. Deborah Harry is writing an autobiography of her life, which ought to be interesting because she had a very interesting life. And then the band is going to go to Cuba this summer and do some shows down there. But anyway, 39 years ago today, number one song in the entire USA. These clowns that we're looking at in the sky right now are shaking our fists at like some grouchy old man. They're going to dissipate. The sun, we're promised, will come out later on today. We'll get up to 58. Clear tonight, low 44. Sun comes out tomorrow. Really nice thing that you might be able to take advantage of if you'd like to bond uh, with your son or daughter. doesn't matter. Uh, all that is straight ahead. And then at 11.05, we will talk with one of the great, and I mean great, and I don't use the word great very often, one of the great rock and roll guitarists in the history of music, and he just happens to be coming to the area this week. All straight ahead on News Radio 700 WLW. News.
news, traffic, and weather. News Radio 700 WL or .tech. Welcome back. This is the CBTS. How about this? The CBTS NFL Draft Recap Show. Brought to you by CBTS, a Cincinnati Bell Company, one company for all of your technological needs. Otherwise known as Sunday Morning Sports Talk. I'm Ken Brew. It is uh, 1038. There's a neat deal. It, it's every year it happens, but it still doesn't. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Change the fact that it's a neat deal. That is coming up here on June the 15th at North College Hill High School. It is the annual basketball camp that uh, former... NKU and Coleraine High Star Shannon Miner puts on every year in a uh, in a uh, an homage to his dad, who I believe would have been seventy five yesterday, Pete Miner. It's the father child basketball camp, and I wanted to get Shannon on here for a couple of minutes to talk about the camp, about uh, about his dad's legacy, and uh, just this. I, I, in fact, well, let's welcome him in to the AcuteHearingCenters dot com uh, hotline. Shannon, good morning. How many years is this now for you? With How you doing, Ken? Yeah. This is our seventh year. Seventh year, okay. Seventh yeah. year. And it gets bigger and better every year. I know that, right? It does, and it's exciting because, you know, like you had mentioned earlier about my dad, he's had a great impact on, on people, um, you know, people at work, um, people that he coached, um, his family. Um, you know, it's just a, it's a great way to, to honor my dad and, uh, and, and the minor family. So let, let's just talk about this for a second. You're a kid growing up. Your dad took you to basketball games. You became a gym rat. You wanted to play the game. Your dad, uh, you know, legend here in, in the greater Cincinnati area and uh, tragically left this earth um, a, a few years back. And how long has your dad been gone? It's been eight years. It was eight, eight years early in April. Eight years early in, in April. So, uh, and he would have been 75 yesterday, right? He would have been 75. And like mm. I do every year, I go to Frisch's and save a restaurant, get me a big, <laughs> a big boy. I need a super big boy because they're getting smaller now. But I need, you know, get a bigger one and I get fries, extra tartar sauce and a and a drink, and that's what he did all the time. And, yeah. uh, you know, you try to do things to, to honor, and that's why, you know, we, we came up with the camp. Uh, because you want to carry, you want to take something, you know, Kim, from a negative, and you want to sure. move it into a positive. Sure. So this is this is a, it's, it's a father-son, father-daughter, uh, parent-figure-son, parent-figure-daughter. Anyway, it's the 7th Annual, and it's at North College Hill High School, and it's on June the 15th, 3 to 6 p.m. That's Father's Day weekend, I believe, isn't it, June the 15th? Yes. Okay. Yep. And uh, so, uh, so this this is the deal. You go there. Um, it's it's uh, sixty dollars for both the father and the child, and then uh, that sixty dollars donated to the Kicks for Kids, which is uh, Doug Pelfrey's great uh, charitable organization. So this is kind of a win win for everybody, isn't it? It is. They get a T shirt, um, both the, the father and you know again, it could be a basketball coach, it could be a neighbor, it could be an uncle, another family member, you know that that might might not be the father. Maybe the father's not around. We also have. Uh, my high school players also, um, we've had children before that didn't have a father, and they also step in and do it. What we do is uh, we do uh, drills. You know, most camps usually drop your son or daughter off, mm-hmm. and you come back in eight hours. Um, what we want, you know, the dads to do is put their cell phone down sure. for a few hours. Sure. 
I think, you know, when I was a kid, I remember my dad coming out and playing one-on-one with me, on, you know, in the neighborhood or out in our backyard and, and playing baseball with me. And I just had great memories of that. And so I think it's very exciting to see that. They get Skyline Chili. They get a basketball. Mm-hmm. They get a photo of, of their uh, their dad and themselves at the end. And, uh, you know, it's just a really good event. And, and it gets it, it just makes me feel good to see people experiencing what I experienced when I was a kid. Now. Um, right, and and you learn the skills of the game. You're taught uh, by some great basketball coaches. And you imagine you get a T-shirt, Spalding NBA basketball. You get photos, skyline chili. I mean, what what's not to like about about all of this? But I think at the root of it is is a bond that that you continue to form if you're a parent with your child, or if you're a father figure with whoever the child may be, or as you said, a basketball coach. It could be an uncle. It could be anybody. The, the root of this, it's bonding. It's putting the cell phone down. It's interaction over what look, you know, you and I both know basketball is the greatest sport. So uh, it, it's a bonding over, it's a bonding over that. And that's what the root of this is because that's what you had with your dad. It is. You know, when I was growing up, we didn't have cell phones to distract us. And yeah. nowadays <laughs> everything is, I mean, I'm in a basketball gym right now. We're in AU tournament and every single kid has the outlet still, yeah. you know, and so we're trying to get away from that. We're trying to spend time with, with our family, and, and we're all a part of it. You know, yeah. we're, we're all evolving with the times, but we also have to remember how it was back back then. And, and I'll tell you, my dad, he was, he was really super hard on me, but, you know, everything that he taught me didn't always, you know, have to do with basketball. It also mm-hmm. relates to life, and, and we, we teach the kids that. I also have a guest speaker that comes. Uh, I've had John Brandon come. I've had Chris Mack. Um, I've had Terry Nelson. I had Byron Larkin last yeah. year. And so we're still waiting for, for that person to respond back to us. But, you know, you get, we want the dads. We separate the kids from the dads halfway through after we do the drills. And we sit in the room and we bounce ideas off of each yeah. other. And we talk about being a dad, about being a coach. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. So this is $60 for a camper and the father figure. But let's you might have other children in your family. So it's not like they can't go. I mean, it's just a little bit extra. It's 25 bucks more. But for sixty bucks, you know, you, you have the tandem, and then if you know if brother, sister, somebody wants to go, it's just twenty five dollars more, and they get the same thing, right? They get the t shirt yep. and the skyline and all that. We get the skyline. The Zhang yeah. family provides the skyline chili. Yeah. And what we do is, if you have a first grade, you know, daughter and a, a third grade or fourth grade son, that's fine. We put them all in the same group Good. when we do the stations, and then after that, when we have the dads go talk to the guest speaker, we separate them in there in their uh, ages or their grades, and then we let them play games. And right. we even have a slam dunk competition where the dads and the kids, the kids have to throw oops or have to be involved. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. But, you know, of course, we have to lower the rims down to about, I'd say, eight feet. Yeah. And, um, for the dads. My mom, yeah, yeah, for the dads. My mom, uh, she'll, she'll hold up, you know, nine, ten, eight, whatever. She's one of them. Judges as well, and and so I try to get the whole minor family involved. I brought it back to North College this year because it's where it all started for me, being good, a kid. Good. And it has a, I have a lot of great memories there growing up. And so, uh, you know, I just try to try to give back, and like I said, can try to make a negative yes. into a positive, and that's what we're yeah. trying to do. Yeah, yeah, and 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 kudos for that. This is uh, again, this is June the fifteenth, three to six p.m. North College Hill High School, and it's for grades one through six. I think that's important. That's that's. That's the wheelhouse. That's when kids start to start making decisions and lifestyle choices and things like that. So it's grades one through six uh, on Saturday, June the fifteenth, at North College Hill High School. We'll we'll, uh, we'll get your contact information as to where they can register and all that here in just a second. I want to ask you though about what else transpired here. NK, you were mm-hmm. star at NKU, right? Am I am I not overstating your college career? 
You were a star at at NKU. John Brennan left, and he went to UC. Let's just take that for a second. What do you think? How do you think John Brennan translates to uh, the University of Cincinnati's basketball program? He's going to do an outstanding job. He's a great coach, a great basketball mind. These fans are going to love him because, and and again, you got to give him time now. I don't know how fast it's going to happen, but his style of play is contagious. It's great because the players are going to love it. The fans are going to love it. They're going to come down. They're going to, they're going to go. Actually, they're going to full court pressure, not to get steals every time. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to speed the tempo. They want teams to play at their tempo. And any good coach always wants to play at your tempo. You don't want to play at the other team's tempo. On offense, they'll spread the ball. They cut. They ball screen, flare screen. It's an exciting offense. It really is. And again, you might not see it the first game. Or halfway through the first year, it might take a little bit of time, but I'm telling you, John Brandon is an outstanding basketball yeah. mind and, and coach. Well, you and I are on the same page with that, and I think uh, I like the fact that he's going to use all 94 feet. I like the fact he's going to get players that will put the ball in the net. Uh, I think you have to have that when you get to tournament time. I, I, I like all of that. Now, Darren Horn winds up at NKU. This is a guy that uh, coached at South Carolina. Lately, he's been on Shaka Smart's uh, staff down in Texas. Uh, tell me a little bit about Darren Horn and what you think he's bringing to your alma mater. Well, you know, what I like about Darren Horn, obviously he's been in the NCAA tournament. He's won a game in the NCAA tournament. It was a buzzer beater when mm-hmm. he was at Western Kentucky. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you look at a school like NKU that started as, as, a, as a young one, as a baby, as, as the NAI, and then they went to Division Two, and they've been moving up. So they've taken steps. I think Darren Horn's number one goal is to now win a game in the NCAA tournament, which John Brandon, if you know, they were down what, NKU four? Yeah. You know, to Texas second yeah. halftime, the yeah. team that played in the national championship game. So I don't really think NKU's that far off. I'm not saying win a national championship, but taking that next step. Um, I think what Darren Horn brings is, and he even said in his press conference, I think it's very important, when you go into the ESPN studios and you watch games for three years and you break games down, I think you learn so much mm-hmm. from watching videos. So what Darren learned before that, now he's learned so much, and I think he's going to take what he's learned from all these coaches that are sitting in the studio and watching games, and he's going to apply it to NKU, and he's going to make you know those adjustments that will make him a better better basketball coach. I, 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 yeah, I mean, if there can be a win-win for both schools, I think this is what's happened here, and, and you don't often get that. You oftentimes mm-hmm. get a guy that comes in on the heels of a coach leaving for a bigger school, and you know, he, or you get a coach that, you know, like in Mick's case, he leaves for UCLA. Oftentimes you get an assistant from a major program. You've got two guys right now at both of these schools that have head coaching experience at the Division One level. So I, I just think it's a win-win for both teams. I really do. It's going to be great. I mean, oh, yeah. You, I mean, it, I'm waiting when they play each other. If they play each other <laughs> next year. And you know what's going to be exciting? I think John is, is such a professional. He left NKU on great terms. Um, he still lives. He's going to live in northern Kentucky. I mean, I just think UC fans are going to be excited. He really keeps his composure on the sideline. He, he's going to be great. He's going to be great for the University of Cincinnati. How about you think of the, I've been pushing for this for a long time because I, I, you know, I was involved with the coaches for cancer and all that. How about a Queen City basketball classic with NKU? You see Xavier, and then you bring in another marquee program from around the country. It doesn't matter who it could be for any, any conference. You play it and play it downtown. You play uh, U.S. Yeah. Bank, and you play a doubleheader. You know, first night uh, two teams play against you. Second night the other two teams play against you. Why not? Why you know not? what? It's funny because I always talk to Mo about that. Just call it the Ohio, you know, Ohio River Classic. Right. And you have, you know, Xavier. You can bring in Ohio State. You can bring in Dayton one right. year. You know, right. Right. And you can bring in Indiana, and, and then you keep it. Like you right. said, you keep in you and keep Xavier. Absolutely. You keep I've said that for years. It would yeah. be so exciting because of the area that we live in, with Kentucky, Ohio, and Indiana. 
it's a no-brainer. Right. It's a no-brainer. You got Purdue as well, and and, and you have UK, and then yeah. you also bring Chris Mack back from Louisville. Right. Well, see, the fir- first mistake you made was talking to Mo about it because that's going nowhere. But now you're talking to me about it, and it might have some legs. You know what I'm saying, Shannon? And you can't miss Mo now. He's bright red. <laughs> I said he's auditioning for that new Las Vegas act, Burnt Man Group. You know, man, he, yeah, he, I, he, I know. Yeah, I know. Yep. He has not discovered the beauty of sunblock. Okay, so back to your camp on Saturday, June the fifteenth, three to six. It is a a great thing for a father and a daughter, father and a son, coach and a son or a daughter, whatever it may be. How do people find out about this besides you and me flapping our gums about it? Where can they get more information and to register for this? The great thing now is we don't have to do flyers anymore. I mean, we mm. do a couple flyers, but you just go to Facebook. You can look under my name, Shannon Miner. You can go to Event Villa, Event Villa, Z-I-L-L-A. And if you go on there and just type in Pete, Pete Miner, it'll come up. And we usually keep it around 50 or 60, um, you know, dads. Yeah. Uh, we always, you know, of course, bring in more, but because we want as many people as we can get in there. Um, but we want people to get, you know, the attention and get the instruction because we really, in the end, we want kids to actually work on their game in the summer so they, when they go to their middle school or they go to their grade school or they go to their teams, they're better. But you can go to EventZilla, you can go on Facebook and, um, you know, search my name. The flyer's on there. The information's on there. Um, you know, I've been putting it on Twitter as well. Good luck. Good luck with this. I think it's great. I think it's the most positive thing, that one of the most positive things that uh, we do here in the Tri-State. But, you know, then again, this is the Tri-State, and this is what we do. So uh, good luck with this, uh, Shannon. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll catch up down the road. Ken, I appreciate having me on. You're number one in Cincinnati. I appreciate it. <laughs> Don't tell Mo. Thanks, Shannon. Oh, I won't. Thank you, Ken. <laughs> right, Bye-bye. Yeah. Shannon Miner. It is. You know, it, it's um, the Pete Miner's story. I, I, I really don't want to go into it. Uh, it. It was horrible. It was tragic, tragic the way he left this earth. If you're interested, you can find out. It's up there. And, uh, but but uh, kudos to his son for picking up the uh, the mantra and uh, and just running with it. And so the Pete Miner fi- father-child basketball camp is uh, coming up on June the 15th. If you're so inclined, uh, I would suggest it. I mean, it's just quality time. And how much quality time do we have anymore to spend, Right. You're go- you may be working too. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jobs. You might have this going on in, in your personal life. Maybe you've got to come over here. Maybe you have a parent you have to take care of. But, you know, here's here's a chance for three hours on Father's Day weekend to spend some time with your kids. And it's not just limited to one kid. It's limited to grades one through six. But if you have an additional child, just $25 more. I think this is terrific. I really do. Anytime we can get Shannon on, too. He, w- he was a great basketball player at NKU. I remember him. He was. It's coming up on uh, 1051 after the news at the top of the hour. One of the greatest rock and roll guitarists of all time. You may not know of him, but you know his music. It is Sunday morning sports talk, and it's you and me on News Radio 700 WLW. To Milford. Getting some uh, reaction to the Bengals draft. Actually, not some, a lot of reaction to the Bengals draft today on the internets and uh, on Twitter. By the way, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, all the kids are using it. It's the at sign in my name, K-E-N-B-R-O-O. Sign up today and get my pithy little comments throughout the day. Why more than 18,000 stalk- I mean, followers can't be all wrong. 
This from my buddy John up in New Philadelphia. The Bengals pass on Haskins and Locke and take Finley, who you admit is nothing more than a Dalton clone. How does that logic make you better? Well, if you're doubling down on Dalton, it's kind of what you do. Uh, I'm sure they think that Ryan Finley can think better than every other quarterback in the NFL draft this year. His Wonderlick score would have you believe that he was the smartest of the bunch. I'm sure they believe that Finley, in a pinch, could come in and run the offense. But as you heard Austin Gale say just a few minutes ago from ProFootballFocus.com, slam dunk to be a starting quarterback of any quality in the NFL? Not quite yet. But it does upgrade what was behind Dalton. This is easily the best backup that Dalton has had since he's been here. I don't want to hear about A.J. McCarron. Buffalo didn't want him. The Raiders didn't want him. They wouldn't give him a shot here unless Dalton got hurt. So this is the, this is easily the best backup quarterback that Dalton has had since he's been here. Mark is standing by and wants to weigh in on the Bengals draft. Mark, you go right ahead. Hey, I, you know, I, I really understand, I think, what the Bengals are trying to do here. And, you know, and I've said it before, football is one up front. And when you dominate and you win on the line of scrimmage, it makes everybody better. Your average wide receiver becomes good. A good one becomes great. Your running game is better because basically when your line doesn't play well and it didn't, the Bengals line hasn't played well in a number of years, it, that means somebody else has to do something to make something happen. Well, that's right. And that's, you know, that's why I don't think they got outmaneuvered by the Steelers. I think they wanted this lineman all along. The head scratcher, though, was the tight end because you have Uzama and you've got, you've got two or three tight ends there already. And now all of a sudden you're bringing another guy into the mix. Is he better than what you had? And if he is, and he's really not a pass catcher, he's a blocker, then this is exactly what you're talking about. Well, I think again, you know, if you're going to have a good running game, you got to be able to block out on the edge. And the Bengals did not have anybody last year or the last couple of years that could get out there in space and block these speedy linebackers. Now you got a tight end that can yeah. do that, yeah. supposedly. So we'll find out. Well, look, all I can say is the New England Patriots probably, if you look at them, they consistently play very well up front. They don't get a lot of ink about it. But you don't see Brady getting sacked. You see him be able to stand back there, make his reads, because they play well up front. And and probably that's as big a reason why that team is successful because of that. They don't have those wide receivers they have are, are okay, but the fact is when your line gives you time to throw Guys can get open. You well, can't cover guys five seconds. That is the and the thank you, Mark. That's an absolute truism. It is, and 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 uh, although Brady is a special talent that in our lifetime will never be replicated, what Mark says is true. If you look at Brady, you look at that line. Brady doesn't get dusted. Now, does Andy Dalton see the field as well as Tom Brady? Does he operate with the confidence that Tom Brady has? Well, who does? But I honestly, as this thing transpired after round one, I'm saying, okay, they're not doing anything dynamic. Let's do something fundamentally sound. Second and third rounders were head scratchers, more so the linebacker. I'm sorry, more so the tight end than the linebacker. But okay, got to give it a shot. Got to give it a try. Got to give him a chance. 
1101 News Radio 700 WLW. Get your podcasts. Now, News Radio 700 WLW presents Sunday Morning Sports Talk with your host, Ken Brew, on News Radio 700 WLW. Welcome back to the festivities. One more hour to go here. And by the way, let me also mention, as we clarify exactly who we are on this date, this is the CBTS Draft Recap Show brought to you by CBTS. You should know by now that's a Cincinnati Bell company, one company for all of your technology needs. We thank them for checking in with us and being a part of our draft coverage on this spectacular Sunday. In about a half an hour, Justin Williams from The Athletic is going to join me. A story that's flown under the radar for most of the week has been the ongoing federal trial of the college basketball recruiting scandal and how its tentacles are now reaching out beyond the actual people that are on trial in New York. Apparently, there's been some video that has been played there that has been more than disturbing. How does that affect college basketball? I also want to talk to him about John Brannon going to UC and uh, talk to him about uh, Darren Horn going to NKU. It's been a big week around here for college basketball. It's a big week around here for a lot of things. Because... The concert season in the greater Cincinnati area begins tomorrow. And it begins with the group Whitesnake. Yes, yes, yes. You remember Whitesnake, star of MTV videos. David Coverdale, lead singer. Tawny Catan. And she seductively draped herself over the hood of some classic car. Jaguar, Rolls-Royce, Bentley. Yes, Whitesnake, one of the great groups of the 80s, is coming to the Rose Music Center tomorrow night. And my guess is at some point tomorrow you will hear this song. The guy that powers this group, the guy that delivers an aging rock and roll star to the stage every night, the guy whose work now defines what this group is all about, is my next guest. I've had him on this show many times because he comes through here with many different groups. This guy's always on the road. In fact, he kind of drifts into groups, drifts out of groups, goes to Vegas for a while. He's here every year for the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Let's welcome into the show, and let's welcome into the AcuteHearingCenters.com hotline, a man who goes 24-7, 365 days a year. Sleep is just a luxury for Joel Hoekstra. Is it not, Joel? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, because you, you, you just came off the tour with Cher, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I began the year doing an arena run with her and then a uh, residency in Vegas with her. And here I am, just finished up the Whitesnake rehearsals and ready to hit the road. We fly out tomorrow. Wow, it's 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 unbelievable. But you've played with Whitesnake. I think you joined Whitesnake what, in 2014 for the Purple Album. Was my, my math correct there? Yeah, absolutely. So you know their whole, I mean, you know the, the, the players, you know, you know David, you know how things go. So I guess it's not terribly difficult keeping all that straight, right? 
No, yeah, that we've been fortunate to have the same lineup now since I've been in the band, so it, it's great. We got a groove, we know each other, so that that's a, a good thing in rock. You know, speaking of math, I'm trying to get this down too. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you're you're in your late 40s. Uh, David Coverdale is in his late. Oh yeah, young 30s. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, you mean um, yes, right. yes, 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 right. ages backwards. Is I forgot about that. <laughs> how that how life works. But I'm just wondering yeah. when, when you were. I'm guessing when you were 16, 17 years old is when White Snake really. I mean, that's when they hit hit third gear on their stuff. Do you remember listening to them? Do you remember your reaction to their 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 stuff when you were 16, 17 years old? Yeah, definitely. I was just like most Americans, where I I heard him during Slide It In when that came out, yeah. and uh, listened to that, and then when the '87 record came out, uh, just wore it out. Flip of the tongue as the follow-up. So I was, I was the normal yeah. <laughs> American exposed to White Snake. Uh, they obviously had a, a much uh, more extensive catalog and were big in the UK for years leading yeah. up to yeah. uh, kind of taking off here in America. But yeah. absolutely, yeah. I listened to it when I was a young man. over the top obviously the, the MTV whole thing really helped propel them but I mean their, their videos and whatnot were were pretty much I, I, I yeah they were over the top are, are you are they are they are you guys still that way on stage I mean even at the ripe old age of 30 <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I mean we do our best to actually have a, a visual presentation as well I mean we don't want to look like statues up there <laughs> uh, realistically probably less animated than when everybody was 25 years old but yeah. it, it still it still works we still put on a good rock show yeah there's still still a lot of hair too right still a lot of hair still a lot of hair yeah. blessed with good heads of hair I know especially David yeah it's amazing how yeah. much hair he still has yeah you gotta have you gotta have hair there's no question I I, I don't know how you and uh, and Red Beach divide things up Red obviously the other guitarist uh, in, in Whitesnake but, but Bernie Marsden was the guy right I mean when all this original stuff came out and I'm, I'm just wondering about his touch his feel on on the uh, on the Whitesnake album and in subsequent albums how do you how do you deal with that? Where you want to put your own mark on something, but yet you know here's you know Marsden was the guy on on the original stuff. How does that work? Well, 
Uh, I mean, there's a long-standing history of lots of guitar players that people think were the man in this band. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, Bernie, it would be the original from the Bernie and, and Mickey Booty, the UK uh, stuff, and that. But certainly here in the states, John Sykes is uh, everybody's favorite from yeah. playing on those big records that we mentioned earlier, and. And of course, you get Steve Vai and Doug Aldrich and all these these great players that have been through the band. So, with Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So, I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, just do our best. Rev basically designates who's going to do what solo as he's really the band leader at this point. And then uh, when it came to the new album, that really was just kind of like I, I told Reb, just do whatever you solo wherever you want to solo and I'll, I'll do the rest because... It's all kind of the same to me. Reb is a little more, um, I guess, uh, picky over where, what he's going to play over for solos. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and and you mentioned all of the great the great guitarists, the great people that have come through this band. The one constant, obviously, is Coverdale. What 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 is he? I mean, just what kind of guy is he? He just he, he always seemed back, you know, in the original stuff. He just seemed to be, like I said, over the top and just you know, fun and all that. Uh, has he aged with that? Well. Yeah, I think he's great. He he likes to be just one of the guys and hang with the band. And, uh, he's very much about the humor, which is awesome. Lots of laughs. And, and then every once in a while, he'll tell you a story about working with Jimmy Page or Richie Blackmore, and then you got to like stop and go, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm hanging out with like rock royalty here. I forget. Yeah. I don't know. Because uh, he's just got a great way of being very uh, supportive and accepting of uh, who we are as players and people, and uh, he's been great to work with. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, tell me if I'm wrong, uh, the new album, uh, Flesh and Blood, drops in, in uh, mid-May, correct? May 10. May 10, okay. And and you co-produced that with Reb, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, exactly. I think uh, the big picture stuff 
was was really the key there. Once I had something more to say about the uh, sonic end of the album, other than turn my guitar up, uh, that's when everybody really uh, everybody really decided. Oh, okay, I get it. This guy's he's he's got good ears. Yeah, I've seen some of the videos. Uh, Shut up and kiss me is a great song. I thought I thought that was melodically. I heard it before I actually saw the video. And then I see the video, and of course it's David. You got a car in it. background on that uh shut up and kiss me was really just reb kind of wrote the the riffs to that one and david wrote the the lyrics and melody i i helped out on so obviously my guitar parts like mm-hmm. the, the slide playing and during the chorus yeah. uh, um and obviously my solo and kind of came up with the concept of what some of david's replies were in the chorus um to, like between the gang vocals but uh, in general, that's really Reb and David's song, and uh, but I was blessed to co-write I think six or seven of these songs, so I uh, certainly got my my riffs in, so to speak. People just get the album. It really doesn't matter if I wrote it or if if, uh, if I didn't write it. I'm just pretty, I still had a hand in all the guitar parts and, like I said, the uh, production end of things. So uh, I'm very proud of it in general, and it feels like the next uh, step for me in Whitesnake. Well, you know how I feel about your work. I think you're one of the most talented, most versatile guitarists on the planet, and uh, I can't see can't wait to see you guys here. This would be fantastic. White Snake, uh, they've been through here a lot, but it uh, it never gets old. And uh, Joel, man, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Totally appreciate it. There it goes. How'd you like to be on the road with Cher? Hey, uh, what, how old is Cher? Seventy-five. I think you see things with Cher that you may not want to see. Joe Hoekstra, White Snake, they're at the Rose Music Center tomorrow night as the concert season is kicking off in full force here in Cincinnati. And I love it because that gives me a chance to talk to some of the greatest rock and rollers that are out there right now. And uh, we had Joel Hoekstra just uh, bat lead off for us. Chicago is, uh, is up there next week. By the way, next week, I'm a little bit of Chicago for you on the show as well. It is coming up on 11:22 in a moment. This uh, college basketball scandal and how its tentacles may be reaching to college football. It's getting downright dirty and stinky at this federal trial in New York, and uh, we'll see where it all leads. But so far, it's uh, not been a pretty picture for college athletics. The show is Sunday morning sports talk. It's you and me. Wouldn't want it any other way. And it only emanates from here, 700-WLW.Tech. 11-27, getting a lot of uh, blowback here on the Bengals draft and reaction to it. Uh, Dave, one of my uh, loyal followers, never in a good mood, but I like Dave nonetheless. 
uh, sent me an article written by, I guess it's Sports Blog Nation that grades the Bengals draft at C-, and the last line in the uh, article by Sports Blog Nation was, this wasn't one of the Bengals' better drafts. Uh, Pro Football Focus gave them an average draft. I would say average is about right. I think I think their first-round pick is going to be a really, really good football player. I really do. I think Jonah Williams was uh, someone they coveted. I don't think they got outmaneuvered by the Steelers. I think the Steelers did something they probably didn't have to do, but so be it. The uh, second-round pick, head-scratcher, really was. Real reach. Uh, Third-round pick, it's a guy that's a converted safety that started one game in his college career at North Carolina State. We'll see what happens with Jermaine Pratt. But I said this before the draft. I was over on ESPN 1530 this week. I said, if you look what the Bengals really need, they need a right tackle. This is before the draft. They need a tight end. They need at least two linebackers because all they have really there is Nick Vigil and Preston Brown. They need two cornerbacks. They really do. I, I don't know about this BWD Webb guy. I mean, he's been a lot of places. I know that no Bengal, no Bengal quarterback, no Bengal cornerback, intercepted a pass last year, and they needed a defensive end. Although Carl Lawson is coming back, and you can hybrid him into, a, into an edge guy, but they, had a lot, they really needed seven players that can come in and really contribute immediately. And very rare in Bengals history have we seen that. In 13, they got Eifert and Bernard and Sean Williams. That's three pretty good ones there. In 2012, they got Drake Kirkpatrick, Kevin Zeitler, Mohamed Sanu, Marvin Jones, and George Iloko. Five pretty good players there. But I think, I think if you look at the fact that they didn't play the free agent game, they really had to knock this draft out of the park. I don't see a lot of rating services that say they knocked it out of the park. But come September, the rating services won't be on the field. The players will be. I just don't know if they did enough to change what we've seen the last two years into something better in 2019. I do think they'll be able to to control the ball on the ground, running the ball because of what they did at tackle and tight end. But eventually you have to stop the other guy. And I I just don't know if they've done enough to uh, to do that. It's great to say, hey, we're we're going to outscore the other team. We're going, to, we're going to put 30, 35 points up on the board. Well, good luck doing that. We get, that philosophy is great, but eventually you've got to stop the other guy. And I don't know if they've done enough of that in the offseason. All right, straight ahead, college basketball on trial and college football getting sucked into it as well. We'll try to break it down for you next. 1130 News Radio, 700 WLW. Time. 11.37, welcome back. Sunday morning sports talk, or as we like to say on this particular Sunday, this is the Cincinnati Bell Technology Solutions Draft Recap Show, brought to you by CBTS, a Cincinnati Bell company, one company for all of your technology needs, for one show and one show only. We welcome them in. All right, so the, the draft dominated most of the sports coverage last week, and um, I guess that that's to be expected. But there's something playing out in New York City that we talked a lot about a year ago, and now it's finally come to trial, and that's the federal trial of a Pittsburgh-based financial advisor by the name of Marty Blazer, who was at the epicenter of uh, a scandal that the FBI had uh, uncovered last year. And that scandal was basically Marty Blazer acting as an interloper, taking money 
and using assistant basketball coaches as his pawns in an attempt to get players to commit to these schools. And so as it plays out in New York City, it's Arizona and Sean Miller and his former assistant that's on trial, but also the tentacles have now reached into college football because Blazer testified under oath on Tuesday that he made payments to college football players for about 14 seasons in the hopes of becoming their financial advisor once they turn pro. These are the schools he listed. Pitt, Penn State, Michigan, Notre Dame, Northwestern, Alabama, and North Carolina. He outlined one payment he made to a Penn State player of $10,000. He gave it to the father of this Penn State player at the request of an unnamed Penn State assistant coach to get the player to stay in school rather than enter the NFL draft. Uh, It's sorted, it's dirty, and it's complicated. And whenever things get to be sorted and dirty and complicated, we like to turn to Justin Williams from The Athletic because he understands things sorted and dirty and complicated. And he joins us here on the AcuteHearingCenters.com hotline. Good morning, Justin. How are you? I'm good. Should I should I take that intro as a compliment? Yes. Man? No. Yeah. Okay. Very, yeah. No. I didn't say you were. I say you understand these things. Sounds good. I you're, appreciate it. You're kind of like the 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 prosecutor in New York, the Fed in New York, that's putting this it. on. So you can break this down. All right. Let, let's just talk about this. We we've known about this uh, the basketball angle of this, uh, Christian Dawkins and um, and 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 Marty Blazer and how it it reached out to a basketball player that everybody seemed to covet. Uh, back uh, about a year, year and a half ago, who wound up at Arizona with Sean Miller for one season and one season only. But yet this, uh, and by the way, the, uh, the um, player is DeAndre Ayton. But yet this is, this is reaching in and, 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 and sucking in other colleges. Uh, Dan, Dan Wetzel at Yahoo this week wrote of an, of, a, of an event in Las Vegas last year with Blazer, an undercover FBI agent, uh, who got Blazer to flip, and they're in this room, and it's just a parade of college coaches coming in to this room to kowtow to Blazer to try and get money to get players. He, as 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 Wetzel describes it, ten thousand here, thirteen thousand there, six thousand there, and some of these coaches are coming in wearing school apparel: Arizona, Arizona State, Creighton, Southern Cal, TCU, Oklahoma State, Alabama, so on, and caught on videotape. Um, my goodness. Is this the tip of the iceberg, Justin, or is this is this it? How do you how do you see this at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think whether it's football or basketball, I, I think if you asked any you know semi invested fan, they would tell you that there's been talk of cheating going on in, in either sport for a long time. But what all of this has done is just put it out there in a courtroom with video, uh, with recordings. And it's kind of made obvious and, and given examples of how something works that everyone has just assumed for a long time. But as we've seen with other instances in sports or in life, you know, once you kind of have the proof, whether it's video or audio or whatever, it just it lands and it resonates more with people. So now we're getting obvious examples of sometimes how mundane it seems, like you mentioned, with people walking into rooms with their school parallel and with, you know, actual envelopes of cash sitting on tables and kind of seeing how brazen and open it is and how widespread it is. So yeah, I would say that it's just this is kind of one case. It's probably just the tip of the iceberg. Um, but I think it shows an example of just how rampant it's been in, in either sport for a while now. Rick Pitino was implicated, ultimately lost his job in Louisville over that and some other things that went on under his watch. But 
Uh, Miller was uh, is prominent in this. Uh, Book Richardson is prominent in this. A uh, former Arizona assistant coach. But but here I'm not going to read the entire story. But this is from uh, Nicole Auerbach, who writes for the Athletic, one of your colleagues, mm-hmm. and she says um, there were text messages shown at this trial, and uh, they were listed by uh, this this uh, Marty Blazer guys. These are my main guys. And the list included six head coaches, Sean Miller, LSU's Will Wade, North Carolina State's Kevin Keats, Michigan State's Tom Izzo, Cleveland State's Dennis Felton, and Marvin Menzies, who was then the coach at UNLV. And then it included more than a dozen names of assistant coaches at places like Creighton, Illinois, Miami, Michigan, Texas, and Southern Cal. Now, Blazer didn't get into specifics at this, 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 at this trial this past week, uh, as to which coaches were contacted or received bribes. So he's a little light on the information here. But this is almost like they're dredging these names up through college basketball. Most of these schools have been relatively silent in, in terms of trying to defend themselves or their coaches. I, 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 just, I just wonder, the feds don't bring something to trial. They don't, they don't, it doesn't get to this point unless they think they got you. And by gotcha, I think it's something like 97, 98% success rate. So this thing that I think college basketball is hoping that will just go away or will be reversed in court, it, it's not going to happen. I, I can't imagine how paralyzed some of these schools are at this point. But if they say something, Justin, that all of a sudden they make the situ- may make the situation worse for them. They, they, they really can't say anything at this point, can they? Right, and you know what, what they're probably looking for, unfortunately, or you know, however I guess you want to look at the situation, is they're going to find a scapegoat in the situation. I, you know, Louisville did that to a certain extent with with Patino and Jurich, the athletic director, and it's not that means that those guys weren't without fault, but you know, you're going to find someone to lay the blame on, and then try and move on past yeah. that, and bring in someone like Chris Mack, and you know, smooth everything over and start fresh again, and that's you know. The, the stuff with Sean Miller has been going on for over a year now. Yeah. Will Wade was suspended earlier this season. I think what these schools are probably looking for is, you know, obvious reasons through court or legal proceedings where they can fire these coaches um, with cause that, you know, that doesn't impact their payouts or anything with a contract situation. And then they'll do the same thing. They'll, they'll bring in someone new and, and they'll, they'll try and start fresh. But you also have to look at, you know, all the things that's gone out with Arizona. People wonder how Sean Miller has stuck there. I think he has a top five recruiting class coming in next yeah. season. So it's, it's, you know, I don't think anyone has their hands clean right now. But at some point, you're just going to see schools where the evidence will be too obvious not to ignore, whether it's, you know, legal or otherwise. And they're going to have to make some decisions, but they're, they're going to then try and rise above that and, and start fresh and new and hope that people move on from that. Well, and again, this is old news, but this, this uh, would-be agent Kristen Dawkins mm-hmm. said in the tape conversation that he had spoken with Miller a week and a half earlier before, I guess, they, they got him to flip, and he said that Miller had told him, I'm taking care of everything and that Aiton is going to be on campus June 10th. I'll bring you in. I'll turn everything over to you. And then this Marty Blazer who was a key government witness, uh, that was asked how he understood that comment in the context of another conversation Blazer was present for, and uh, that was along with Dawkins. And, and according to Blazer, who he testified under oath, he said, I understood that to mean that Sean Miller was talking about inappropriate things with recruiting, paying the money, and those sorts of things. He goes on to say, and this is the quote, Sean Miller was taking care of everything for DeAndre Ayton and his family. I think the feds want Sean Miller. I think this is the guy they want. And although the judge is not going to call him to testify at this trial, he seems to be the guy that they want in this thing, right? 
Yeah, clearly the guy that they have the most evidence against. I think, you know, a lot of times with a lot of these schools, you aren't dealing with the head coach. You don't have, you know, the head coach on any kind of wiretap or anything like that. And so I think if they're really trying to make an example out of something, you have Aiton, the guy who ends up being the first overall pick in the NBA draft. You have a coach who, at least maybe more so than some of these other schools, seem to be directly involved in these proceedings. And so if they're going to look for that one specific case where they can go to to kind of be a big example of of the corruption or, or whatever that they're trying to expose, that seems like a pretty good one. And it seems like that's the one that they have kind of keyed in on, you know, the past year, year and a half. Uh, the trial continues now this week. Uh, I believe it starts up again on, on Monday. Our guest is Justin Williams with TheAthletic.com. Fantastic writer, fantastic website, and someone who covers the University of Cincinnati for a living. Uh, let's move on to the University of Cincinnati. Uh, John Brannon is on the job now a little more than a week. Promises mm-hmm. up-tempo, use all 94 feet of the court, both offensively and defensively. I think he's in a tough spot. The recruiting period's over. We don't know if Jaron Cumberland is going to return, although I have a sneaking suspicion he will. Nice here, Brooks, in the trans, you know, the transfer portal right now. Uh, the only way I see that Brandon upgrades what he has now, maybe is go the junior college route at least for a year, or am I misreading this thing? No, I think I think you're right. They've definitely had some visits from from junior college players that would be eligible next year. Uh, I think you know grad transfers as well. There's still some some of those guys out there that they can bring in and be immediately eligible for for a season next season. So I think over the next couple of weeks they're going to bring in some some more of those guys who are still out there trying to make decisions. And yeah, there's still a lot that has to shake out. Uh, Brooks is in the portal. He's been still involved and, you know, partaking in team activities, but it also, he reportedly has some visits scheduled next week to some major programs, you know, Miami, LSU. That, when that, when that word comes out, that's kind of tough to think that they'll end up coming back, but obviously that, that's still not decided. Uh, right. Cumberland declared for the draft. I agree with you. I think it's more likely that he'll return next season than not, but it's still an unknown at this point. Um, so I think, Brandon, while also this weekend he was out on the road recruiting for, for 2020 and beyond, mm-hmm. there's also still a lot in front of him for next season that's unknown. He still has a couple scholarships open. Uh, and so he has his work cut out for him. He knows that. Um, he has been in the office very long hours uh, the past couple weeks since he took the job late into the night. So he, he's certainly putting the work in. Um, but I think it'll be another few weeks, a month or so, before we totally have a picture of what next season's roster might look like. In almost, if a generation is defined by 25 years, in almost a generation and a half, this will be a completely different look for the University of Cincinnati. It may not be immediately, but his philosophy kind of runs countercurrent to Bob Huggins and to Mick Cronin and the one brief moment with Andy Kennedy in the sense that he values putting the ball in the basket, not at the expense of defense, but Huggins and Cronin we're defense and rebounding first. So I think this is something I, the fan base seems to want this. But secondly, I think it's going to be a lot different look for Cincinnati than what we've seen since 1989. I, I, just, I just sense that this change is going to bring a complete philosophical change along with it. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, up-tempo, and that's on both ends. So I don't think you'll, it, it'll totally feel run and gun in the sense that his teams are going to press. Um, and they're going to try and put defensive pressure on. So, you know, his goal is still to have a quality defensive team. Um, but, yeah, on the opposite end, you know, they're, it's not running up and, and chucking up shots as fast as possible, mm-hmm. but it's ball movement, three-point shooting, um, you know, and a focus on, on 
scoring and playing up tempo, and that's that's just a different look, especially that people are going to be uh, familiar under under Cronin. And you know, it's Cronin had to change a little bit too. It was a lot different playing in the Big East than when they went to the American Conference, and so you did see a little bit of a shift in him over the years. But it, I think it will feel totally different. Maybe not immediately next season, um, but as as Brandon is able to get some of his recruits in and get the roster the way he wants it in a couple of years, I think it will be a completely different style of play. And one that, after as much success as Cronin had at UC, I do think some fans are, are ready for maybe a little bit more up-tempo, offensive, skill focus. We'll, uh, we'll get you back on as we get closer to uh, you know, the football season, maybe sooner than that, because invariably between now and then, there will be sorted, dirty, and complicated, and you're our guy. <laughs> Justin Williams from The Athletic. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it, Ken. Thank you. Keep an eye on that trial. Uh, I don't know how credible Marty Blazer will be. He seems to be credible so far, but, man, he is dragging some big-time programs and big-time names into this federal courtroom in New York along with him. It's coming up on 1151. It's Sunday Morning Sports Talk. We'll tell you what's next, what's on the horizon, and what might be important in your life coming up this week. Try to cram that in in what little time we have left. News Radio, 700 WLD. Ford. Sporting News gave the Bengals a C-minus grade. Call it very unimpressive. That's uh, Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. And the Sporting News has a mock draft out already for 2020. They have the Bengals taking quarterback Justin Herbert with a fifth overall pick. Well, all righty then. Here's uh, Tom in Cincinnati wants to weigh in on the NCAA investigation. And, Tom, you go right ahead. All right. Thanks, Ken. Hey, uh... You know, they get all these uh, crazy agents uh, doing all this stupidity with all the money. They need to just cut out Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour. Take, just say, no, you can't do that. But here's another thing. Uh, the guy that's the head of the NCAA, Mark Emmer, mm-hmm. he, he, when he was at um, UConn, they had a problem with their building uh, construction over cost overruns, and he left. And then he still owes the University of Washington about $100,000 that he pledged to give them. So they need to investigate him. I mean, the NCAA is getting stupid with all this stuff. Yeah, They just have to get this money out of there, and they won't do it. No, there's one of two ways they can go is what you say, or they can just admit the fact that that college football, college basketball are, are, are basically businesses and that athletes are employees and they should be paid. They can do that. Uh, you know, with the money that they get uh, from television revenue, they can give that to. They can take student loans on that. Well, and they, they can pay yeah, some of the athletes. They can do that. Yeah, yeah. Tom, thanks. I got to run. Thanks for the call. The problem with paying athletes and paying basketball and football players: where do you stop? At what sport do you stop? Because if you don't, if you don't continue that, you're opening yourself up to a lot of things. Athletes become employees. You have to provide them insurance. Other athletes and other sports may sue because they feel that they should be paid. You have all of that Title IX and gender equity that you have to address and adhere to. Uh, it's a real slippery slope, but the way the NCAA has handled this has been clumsy at best. And now they find themselves in a federal courtroom where the success rate of the feds on these things is about 95, no, 98, 99%. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.